It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. You know, Tom, doesn't it feel like the Super Bowl just ended and, like, normally you're supposed to sit down and relax and chill out and... You know, just uh, maybe not think about football for a while. Yeah, it doesn't happen. Because as we're sitting here, and and we were talking about what we were going to do on the podcast this week, you said to me, you're like, well, free agencies next week. We got to do free agency previews. And I'm like, holy crap, you're right. Because... I, it, it just does not stop in the NFL offseason cycle, and we're here on the Fantasy Points Podcast to take you through that offseason cycle. My name's Joe Dolan. His name is Tom Brawley. Tom, I've been kind of in draft mode editing Greg Cosell's profiles for our FantasyPoints.com staff draft guide, which you can buy for $25 at FantasyPoints.com. Uh, uh, don't need, even need to subscribe to the rest of the website if you're interested in that. But that's that's for uh, down the line here, Tom, because I think these next two weeks we're going to be heavily focused on the veteran movement market, and then we're going to kind of forget about it because the NFL free agency is a big thing, but it comes and it goes, and and it, it's done within a few days with the exception of like some stragglers. But you would anticipate most players who we expect to have any sort of fantasy relevance are probably going to be signed by like Friday of next week. Yeah. I mean, I I could see it being a little slower this year just because the cap is moving down. Maybe teams are, you know, don't want to give out those big deals and maybe they're looking for more one or and even the players are going to be looking for more one or two year deals to, you know, push the, push the ball down the, uh, down the court a little bit. Until the you know that we got a big new TV deal probably coming here in the, the near future, uh, so you know it, it could be a little slower than normal this year. But uh, you know this actually is you know this is a, a we're getting more of a breather this off season. You know no combine here that would have been yeah. going on the last week or two. Uh, probably would have been just been wrapping up uh, you know at the end of last week there. So uh, you know it's we're actually getting a little bit more of a breather than usual, but. Uh, it does feel like, you know, it, it is a 12-month out-of-the-year season at this point. Uh, but, yeah, excited to do it. We got the franchise tag uh, deadline coming up here at 4 p.m. Tuesday. We're recording around uh, lunchtime here on Tuesday. So we're going to get more and more news trickling out. Uh, and that's probably going to get the ball rolling. Uh, maybe some more cuts coming down after the franchise tag deadline passes here. So uh, it's going to be probably a hectic two weeks from uh, you know, this Tuesday through probably, uh, you know, two Tuesdays from now uh, after free agency starts next week. So there's a lot of good uh, free agents uh, out there. And I thought you made an interesting point first and foremost. Like, I was thinking to myself, I would not be surprised if some of these bigger name free agents, even if they don't get the franchise tag, put themselves in a position to next offseason or the offseason after that, when the cap is probably going to rise a huge amount when we're in the post-COVID world. Uh, it, I would not be surprised if, if a lot of these players, maybe they go, I don't want to say ring chasing, but maybe they do. Maybe, they, maybe they're like, you know what, I am going to sign with Kansas City on a one-year deal. I am going to sign with Green Bay on a one-year deal and go try to win a ring, and then, then I'll go try to cash in. Maybe some players do that because the long-term deals might not be out there. 
uh, with, with some we, of these teams in cap hell. We also saw it go the other way last week. Like a guy like Tyrell Williams, uh, you know, I'll go sign with the Lions somewhere where I can play and maybe, you know, help my, yeah, help myself get a bigger contract in the future too. So, you know, not only, you know, signing shorter term deals to maybe play with a contender, but it could go the other way. I want to go to a team that, where I can play a lot, you know, rebuild my team that uh, actually has cap space. Exactly. Rebuild my value. And, you know, I'll see where I am. 2022 offseason. So yeah, yeah it, it cuts kind of both ways there. So let's look at what, what the schedule is. So the league year officially begins March 17th, St. Patrick's day. I don't know if people are <laughs> going to be really going out though. Tom, uh, I will say this. Um, uh, we're, we're splitting this into two podcasts, a, because it's going to be long, but B because my mom is visiting. My mom uh, is down from Pennsylvania. I live in South Carolina and she's fully vaccinated. And, um, you know, with with my wife in South Carolina, she gets tested all the time because uh, because she's a, a professor at Clemson University. We uh, I get tested by proxy, you know, so because I figure if my wife has has COVID, then I have it and vice versa. So uh, my, my mom, we determined it would be a nice, acceptable risk for her, given she's fully vaccinated to come down and visit. So she's downstairs right now. She's a loyal listener to the podcast. You know that. Uh, oh, I know. But, I, I never say anything out of line because I know your mother's <laughs> going to listen to it eventually. <laughs> but so she's 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 uh watching the sausage or listening to the sausage get made right now. Meanwhile, she's actually making meatballs. My mom is a hundred percent Italian. She's a first generation American. Um, so uh, she's downstairs making meatballs and sauce. We actually grew up calling it sauce, not gravy. Um, and, and so she's downstairs making, and I'm going to have piles of this stuff to put in the freezer and, and fall out whenever. So I'm, I'm, I'm very glad we're, it, it's starting to feel like we're getting back to a sense of normalcy, but so that's one of the reasons anyway, uh, to go off on a tangent, uh, why we're splitting this into two podcasts. Um, the other is of course that, you know, we're, there's a lot of positions and we're going to focus on the skill positions, but let's get into the schedule here. The league year begins March 17th. That's when teams are going to be able to announce 4 p.m. Eastern, St. Patrick's Day. You're going to see the Eagles and Colts announce the Carson Wentz trade. You're going to see the Rams and the Lions announce the Stafford-Jared Goff trade. But all these other deals are going to become official or can start becoming official then. However, Tom, every single year it happens. As soon as the legal tampering period begins on March 15th, which is Monday, signings come out. And it's just a matter of waiting for those signings to become official. But if this is like past years, and it might not be because of the COVID situation, if this is like past years, we are going to know like 80% of the free agent signings even before the league year begins on March 17th. Yeah, I mean, you remember just a few years ago, I mean, they didn't even have that legal tamper, tampering, uh, you know, designation there for the first couple of days where agents could talk to, uh, you know, different teams and stuff like that. They, they threw that out the window because they were doing it anyway. So, uh, yeah, the, the deals will start trickling out Monday, Tuesday, next week, and then everything becomes official on Wednesday there when March 17th rolls around. Uh, that's when, you know, also the players officially become free agents as well. So, uh, it's going to be a busy week next week. And, uh, you know, we also got like the March madness starting next week. So this is like one of my favorite next week is kind of one of my favorite times of the year because, you know, teams start looking a little different and then uh, get a little, uh, taste of March madness at the end of the year. So, uh, at the end of the weekend there. So 
you know, this is this is my time of year. And Joe, I got to tell you, I, I busted out the shorts this uh, uh, today. Nice. Here. This is an official holiday here in central Pennsylvania whenever I pull out the shorts for the first time uh, of the year. So uh, it's this is uh, this is my time of year. I, I love March, middle of March right now. Now, now, Tom, just just for uh, just for uh, uh, reference, Tom is in Pennsylvania. I'm in South Carolina. I've basically been wearing shorts year round because I'm I'm from the north, and coming down here, like even 50 degree days feel great to me. Uh, it's about 70 here in South Carolina today. But Tom, you are an aggressive shorts wearer. You are not the I'm wearing gym shorts to class in a blizzard kind of shorts wearer, though. You're not. <laughs> You're not John Fetterman, our guy up in Pennsylvania who wears shorts year-round, but you are an aggressive shorts wearer. And our, our, our former uh, roommate in Philadelphia, Greg Wenzel, he always said, you know spring is, is coming when Brawley puts the shorts on. So I hope I hope you're sending a selfie to Wentz today. I should. Uh, I mean, this this is the start. We got finally got into the mid-50s here. I, I looked at the, the, uh, the upcoming weather, and, you know, we, we got a, a bunch of days in a row that are looking pretty nice. So... Uh, uh, I had to a signal, you know, I, I feel like this is like the official start of spring, as Greg would say. So yeah. we, we finally made it. We we got through the cold, hard winter here in central Pennsylvania. Yeah, it's not it's not whether or not Punxsutawney Phil sees his shadow. It's whether or not Brawley sees his calves. That's that's the that's that's what spring is. chalky white right now. I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you could you could put me under a heat lamp for a week and a half, and my legs would still be chalky white. So I mean, I don't know, I don't know how, how far that's going to go. Anyway, Tom, let's get into free agency because uh, we actually have some interesting quarterbacks on the market. But now we actually we did have some news yesterday, and we're not going to spend a ton of time talking about it because I think we all knew this was inevitable. Uh, the Cowboys have signed Dak Prescott, and. The only thing that I was questioning was, was it going to be a long-term deal or was it going to be the franchise tag? Now, apparently they are going to tag him, but it's just kind of, um, it's kind of just procedural. Uh, they will eventually assign him to what appears to be a four-year, $160 million contract. And everybody's like, oh, it's going to be a 70-some million dollar cap hit. And Tom, I just... I just don't get interested in talking, quite honestly, about quarterback financials. Because every new quarterback who gets signed, with the exception of Mahomes, because he's an outlier, with every new quarterback who gets signed, it's going to look like stupid money, and then the next quarterback gets signed. And when 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 th- this Dak Prescott contract might look expensive now, but when Josh Allen gets a contract, it's going to look it's going to look cheaper. When Kyler Murray gets a contract, it's going to look cheaper. When Baker Mayfield, but what people are going to lose their shit when Baker Mayfield gets signed. <laughs> oh, I can't believe, you know, John. I, I just I just can't get into that. I like I didn't comment on Twitter about the deal, and I can comment on Twitter about anything, but I didn't comment on Twitter about the deal because, quite frankly, Tom, it's not all that interesting to me. Quarterbacks get paid. It's the way it is. It's the way it will be. It's the way it was. It's just it's just the natural cycle of things. Yeah, I mean, you know, we just saw Jared Goff get traded, and you know, he became the and Wentz. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those guys got huge contracts just a couple of years ago. So yeah, that's just the cycle of things. But uh, you know, it just it's just more surprising that it kind of took this long uh, for the Cowboys to finally pay up for Dak. I mean, uh, you know, they seem to be still skeptical of what they had uh, even last year. Uh, but now, you know, after, you know, they just saw four or five games last year. Of course, he's coming off that major leg injury, but uh, you know, they're locking up, locking them up for the future. And you know, so, you know, I, 
you know, probably 90% of the teams, 80% of the teams last year would have loved to sign, you know, Dak Prescott to the big deal, uh, to a long-term deal last year. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's weird how that works. Like they, they drafted him. They, they've seen him firsthand, but you know, they, they were still kind of skeptical about him, but, uh, they finally get the deal worked out here. Uh, now the big question is, you know, just where his health is going into next year, uh, for our purposes for fantasy. But, you know, I guess the, the one benefit of his injury, it was kind of early in the season there, uh, beginning of October there. Uh, mm-hmm. so, you know, he's going to have a good 10, 10 month, uh, you know, 10 month period there to, to get healthy for August into September there, uh, to start getting reps and playing time ready. So, uh, now the big question is where do we put him in fantasy rankings? And, uh, you know, it, it's pretty tough for me. I mean, uh, certainly questions there with him and Deshaun Watson, uh, I, I have Josh Allen and Kyler Murray, Kyler, Kyler Murray currently ahead of them, uh, yeah. but I could pretty comfortably, e- yeah, pretty I could easily flip those guys by the end of July, early August, if uh, you know we feel better about the situations with Deshaun Watson and Dak Prescott. So uh, you know, I, I think those guys are kind of interchangeable. But for right now, I have those guys behind Josh Allen and Kyler Murray just because just a, just a little bit of uncertainty there uh, with his rehab and, and his recovery right now. I mean, I'm not breaking any news here. Presuming Prescott is healthy, this is going to be a good offense. Now, for fantasy purposes, it's just a question, and it's a big question, how much of a factor are his legs going to be? And t- Tom, quite frankly, we can't answer that right now. It's just, it's just too early. Um, remember, he had two surgeries. Now, the second surgery... People are this was not unanticipated. It was something that they had to do. But, you know, you're coming off of two surgeries and that serious an injury. And this is, he got hurt running. You just do wonder how much a factor his legs will be. We'll figure that out down the line. But for right now, I mean, quite obviously, the Cowboys are best positioned in the NFC East with every other team seemingly in transition. Yeah, I mean, they're, they were the favorites last year. Obviously, it went south for them uh, after his injury, but uh, they'll once again be the favorites in the NFC East. Uh, you know, we'll see what the uh, what the Washington football team will be able to do in free agency at quarterback. The Eagles are uh, certainly in their own transition here after trading uh, Carson Wentz, and uh, the Giants are coming off a disappointing season. But, uh, you know, the Cowboys are positioned at the top here. Uh, we'll see if they can improve that defense. Uh, for our purposes, it was pretty good last year when they had a pretty terrible defense uh, with Dak Prescott, uh, you know, throwing out Mari Cooper, uh, CD Lamb, and Michael Gallup. So, uh, you know, if, if that defense is still kind of shaky, uh, uh, you know, Dak Prescott could look like a bargain if he does, uh, in fact, fall to the, to, to, to the bottom of that quarterback tier behind Kyler, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, and, and Deshaun Watson. So we'll see how it all plays out, but... Uh, I could easily see him being the QB two if we're getting uh, a lot of good reports, and uh, maybe that defense is still looking pretty shaky by the end of the summer. I want to focus on three other free agent quarterbacks here um, because they're going to be. Uh, I think they're going to be three guys who, at the bare minimum, are going to get a shot to compete for a starting job. And let's start Tom with the twenty-seven-year-old Jameis Winston. Feels like he's been around forever, but. Dak Prescott is older than Jameis Winston. So, you know, you're looking at this like, hey, Jameis, maybe there is a second chapter to his career. And, you know, for fantasy purposes, Tom, we want him to start because he's aggressive uh, to a fault, 
33 touchdowns, 30 interceptions 20 in 2019 in Tampa. Uh, Tampa obviously made the right decision to replace him. I think that's pretty uh, evident right now. Uh, but Jameis Winston has the ability to start in the NFL. And the question is, did he pick up some good habits in terms of protecting the football, sitting behind Drew Brees for a year? Tom, the question now becomes, if Drew Brees retires, do the Saints want Jameis back? Or do they go with Taysom Hill? They started Taysom Hill when Drew Brees was injured this year. But there are reports that they really like Winston. So uh, this is fascinating. When I was trying to uh, pick out a potential landing spot, I I couldn't find one better than the Saints for Jameis Winston after learning that offense. But would he even start if they have him there? It's a fascinating question, but uh, I think he's going to be the most intriguing name on the quarterback free agency market. Yeah, he's a, a guy I would love for fantasy next year if we didn't have Taysom Hill in the mix. And, you know, obviously if we get uh, the announcement that Drew Brees is retiring, you know, he would be a very intriguing, like, QB, you know, mid, middle of the pack QB2 next year. But uh, you're right, there's just this level of uncertainty there. Uh, obviously Taysom Hill got the starts whenever Breeze was out for that four game stretch, uh, in, in the second half of the year. Uh, and he played fairly well and, you know, especially for our purposes, but you know, it's, it's almost, it feels like we're going to have a bit of a situation almost like we had with Drew Breeze the last few years where, uh, you know, Jameis Winston does all the work between the twenties and then they get inside the 20 and, uh, Taysom Hill is on the field at the same time with him, or, you know, he's getting the red zone snaps and uh, Winston's coming off the field. So, uh, you know, that's, you know, that's the reason why we, yeah, he's probably going to be a lower end QB two going into this year. If he, in, in, if in fact that he is the guy here and Taysom Hill is kind of the number two guy in new Orleans, but uh, you know, if it does go sideways here, you know, we still don't have uh, an official breeze announcement. Everybody's, uh, saying it's going to happen, but you know we also had the videos with him working out, and uh, nothing's official yet. So you know if he would hit the open market, uh, I think he'd be a pretty coveted guy here. I mean, a lot of the big names are off the market right now with Stafford and Wentz uh, already getting dealt, and you know we have a lot of QB needy teams still. There's you know we got the Broncos, we got the the football team, we got the Patriots that are all you know semi contenders here that need that upgraded quarterback. Yeah. So. Uh, if, if it does go sideways in new Orleans here and he does, you know, really hit the open market, uh, I, I don't think he'll, you know, he'll certainly have enough suitors out there that, uh, he should be able to find a starting job. So it it will be fascinating to see how it all plays out in new Orleans. Yeah. Right. And then obviously you are, you mentioned a a couple of the other dominoes that need to drop. And and now we knew the Wentz domino was dropping. We knew the Stafford domino was dropping. Like those were, there was a significant talk leading up to those two trades that, you know, the Lions aren't bringing back Matthew Stafford and Wentz isn't happy. You, you knew it was a matter of time. We're now, we now have two dominoes, Tom, that they might not fall. And that's Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson. And, but we know Deshaun Watson isn't happy. Russell Wilson's been run, uh, flapping his gums here for the last number of weeks about how unhappy he is in Seattle. Uh, we know that trading Russell Wilson would be just a financial disaster for the Seahawks. Uh, it. The question is for somebody like Jameis Winston, are teams going to try to wait out those dominoes or 
is Jameis Winston just somebody who like they're like we can't do this we're gonna have to go sign somebody and maybe Jameis Winston somebody who lands with the Bears or as you mentioned the Broncos a team that might well be interested in one of those two uh, uh, premier quarterbacks but just cannot wait or just doesn't think those dominoes are gonna fall yeah I, I think those really QB hungry teams are gonna gonna try to make their move during free agency because you know for for everything, you know, we we have no idea if Wilson and uh, Watson are going to get moved. But if anything, I would think those guys get moved, you know, maybe the you know during the draft or you know the week before the draft. So uh, I don't think you know Seattle or Houston is necessarily, you know, they're they're not they don't necessarily have to move those guys here before free agency or during free agency. So uh, you know, I think the real QB needy teams like you know even like Chicago. You know, those teams have to, you know, they have to try to address it here during free agency. Uh, you know, maybe teams like Miami and the the, uh, the New York Jets uh, long suspected to be the favorites to maybe make a move for a guy like Watson. Those teams can kind of sit back. They have younger quarterbacks. If, uh, you know, it, it doesn't fall into place for them to make a deal, they can still go with the young guys and use those draft picks to build around them. So uh, I, I think the teams that need quarterbacks are going to make plays here in free agency or, you know, whatever they have to do to, to position themselves to get a better option at quarterback. Uh, let's go to somebody who I think is going to garner significantly less interest on the open market than Jameis Winston. And that's Cam Newton, 32 coming off a miserable season in, in uh, new England. Uh, Tom Brady threw more touchdowns in the playoffs than Cam Newton threw in the regular season. <laughs> Uh, so it just goes to show you just what kind of awful year Newton had eight touchdown passes to 10 interceptions. However, 12 rushing touchdowns. He was great on the ground. He continued to be great on the ground. Uh, he had a stint on the COVID-19 list, Tom. And since, since that said that the virus affected both his comfort level and his mental state, uh, and, and to be fair to Cam Newton, Tom, (laughs) the skill position talent surrounding him, New England, bottom three in the NFL, just really bad. He still thinks he's one of the said he's one of the 32 best quarterbacks in the NFL. I don't know that the market is going to uh, agree with him on that. I'm having a tough time finding a landing spot for Cam Newton that makes sense here. Uh, maybe something like the team where he can reunite with Ron Rivera and compete for the job makes sense. But I, I feel like Cam Newton is going to have a tough time getting quite frankly, even legitimate competition for a starting job. Yeah, I, I have a tough time seeing it too. And I, I, I know the the reasons out there for the poor season, you know, the, the, the COVID-19 absence and, you know, didn't get the extended, you know, time in the off season to get acclimated with his new team and uh, all those reasons. But, you know, the eyeball test said it was very poor last year. I mean, you could just see it. He's never had a strong throwing mechanics and, uh, never been the most accurate passer, but, you know, it looked like he was spiking the ball when he was throwing it. I mean, the, the you know, just ducks right into the ground. So um, just the, the eyeball test said he wasn't very good last year. And, uh, you know, I don't know if, you know, if he does get the full off season, if he doesn't have the COVID-19 issues, uh, maybe it's different. But uh, I, I, I have a tough time believing it w- would be much different. Of course, we had that Patriots game at the beginning of the year where he, uh, I mean, the Seahawks game where, the, you know, that week two Sunday night football game where, you know, it did look pretty good. And, you know, his receiving core uh, was kind of intact at that point. But, uh, you know, I, I just, I, I don't see a team willingly, you know, giving him a starting job, you know, starters kind of money. 
Uh, I think uh, the best case scenario with him, I think he's going to have to be competing for a job somewhere. Yeah. Uh, you know, we'll see how it plays out. But Washington and New England certainly look like the top two teams to potentially look at him here. Yeah, I just don't see New England going back into the season with them. But yeah, Washington, I think, makes sense. Just, you know, the Ron Rivera connection. They released Alex Smith. I, I think they'll move on. But uh, I'm interested to see what what Cam's market is, Tom. Because, I mean, for fantasy, Tom, he finished as a top 12 quarterback in eight of his 15 starts. The same number of top 12 finishes as Russell Wilson and Ryan Tannehill. So, I mean, he's still a viable fantasy quarterback. And uh, you would think his passing numbers, just if he lands somewhere... Hell, even Washington that has Terry McLaurin, they're going to go up. But it's like you said, the eyeball test just wasn't good. It wasn't just the weapons. I mean, it was it was not a good season for Cam Newton. Yeah, best case, you know, it's probably going to be another one year deal here, uh, and he's going to have to show it. I mean, uh, but we'll see. I, he it, it will be some sort of competition with him. Uh, I just don't see a team willingly giving him you know starters kind of money and hey, you got the job here coming into camp. Uh, best case scenario is, you know, he's competing with another veteran or he goes to a team and, you know, a team that might be drafting a quarterback or whatever the, uh, the reason is there. Uh, but he's competing for a job if, you know, he's, uh, wherever he signs this year. Tom, so we had a little bit of a scare earlier this week when there was a report that Ryan Fitzpatrick is leaning towards retirement. (laughs) And I don't think there's a person on earth maybe with the exception of Tua Tonga-Vailoa, that wants Ryan Fitzpatrick to retire. Uh, like, I mean, he's everybody's favorite player in the league. He's 38 years old. But, uh, Tom, of these names that we mentioned right now, Winston, Newton, if you are looking to win in 2021, I actually think Fitzpatrick is a better option. The question is, what team could potentially be looking for a one-year, maybe two-year bridge quarterback. And that's always the problem with Fitzpatrick. Every team is looking beyond Fitzpatrick. You know, he clearly outplayed Tua this year, but got benched for Tua. And then, of course, Tua got benched for him. But it's just one of those things where teams are just looking for the next guy. And, And Fitzpatrick is going to have to deal with that. But I think he believes he deserves a chance to start this year. And look, look at the numbers. He started at least 13, three games in 13 consecutive seasons. <laughs> he is now 30th in NFL history in passing yards. And he's under 500 passing yards from passing Jim Kelly in another Hall of Famer. He finished as a top 12 fantasy quarterback five times. I mean, for fantasy purposes... I want Ryan Fitzpatrick to start wherever it is because he is going to make the team around him better for fantasy. Tom, I see two spots that stand out to me. The team with Terry McLaurin and Logan Thomas. And although I think the team is like the most likely landing spot, just just logically, if Denver decides to put another Band-Aid on the quarterback position, which they've been trying to do ever since Peyton Manning retired, holy crap, can you imagine Fitzmagic throwing to Judy Sutton Fant I mean, it could be a lot of fun there. Oh, I would love, oh my God. I would, I would move all those guys up, uh, you know, probably, you know, six to 10 spots in my uh, personal rankings here. And oh my God, if he signed in, in Washington with McLaurin and Logan Thomas, I mean, uh, you know, McLaurin, you know, he'd be, he'd be probably like a high end, you know, high end wide, uh, you know, round three type of wide receiver there. So, uh, you know, just, 
just great scenarios. And eh, we've seen it the last couple of years. He just elevates his receivers. Uh, you know, obviously he's he's not as good as Tom Brady, but we saw what he did for those Tampa receivers in 2018 and 19 whenever he was on the field with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, uh, really elevating those guys. So and, and he's a guy, you know, I've come pretty uh, accustomed to writing up in our waiver wire article, but he's always kind of like a fringe low end, like our uh, QB one high end QB two there uh, whenever he does get the chance to play for fantasy. So, uh, you know, he, he runs a little bit, scores some rushing touchdowns, uh, you know, average 7.8 yards per attempt last year. So, um, you know, always a guy that's kind of a, a fringe worthy starting quarterback for fantasy whenever he plays. So, uh, we'll see how it plays out here. Denver would be fascinating. I, I don't know if that's necessarily the scenario he wants to walk into after, you know, being in that, you know, caught in that web with Tua last year. Will he play? Won't he play? Uh, you know, I think we'd probably get a similar type of situation uh, with Drew Locke there, uh, you know, in the 2021 season if he went ended up in Denver. Uh, you know, Washington makes more sense. I, I, I don't see as much competition there. Uh, Tyler Heineke certainly played well toward the end of last year, but that was a really small sample. Uh, I think if Fitzpatrick signs there, he's the definite starter there. So uh, we'll see how it plays out here. I, I, you know, we got the re- report yesterday uh, after John Clayton said he's leaning towards retirement. Ian Rappaport said he's, you know, looking to continue to play. He's still, uh, you know, checking out the market. So uh, we got our fingers crossed for fantasy that he still wants to play because, uh, you know, he just makes – you know, he's relevant and he makes everybody around him more relevant for fantasy. So we want to come back, Ryan. We want you back next year. Yeah. And Tom, there's some other uh, free agents out there, but I I don't want to discuss them in depth because, you know, we still need to talk running backs here, but Mitchell Trubisky, Tyrod Taylor, Jacoby Brissett's an interesting name. Like he might be one of those guys who gets a shot to compete for a job. Um, Alex Smith, Andy Dalton, Joe Flacco, Robert Griffin. These guys are free agents, but the four we talked about, or the three we talked about, including the four, including Prescott, those seem to be the guys on the free agent market who probably have the best shot to be a starter next year. I agreed. I mean, uh, you know, Trubisky, I mean, he'll, he'll be, you know, these are all backups here. Tyrod Taylor yeah. uh, got his you know chance taken away from him to be uh, maybe his last chance to really be a, a full-time starter last year. So these guys are all going to be competing for those, you know, one or two year deals where they, they back up some of these top guys, but uh, yeah, certainly those those first four, they have the best chance of finding a, a starting job here next season. All right, Tom, we're going to get to running backs, but first we need to get to our bell cow on the podcast, Mr. Ben Kukanis, with a word from our sponsors. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Thank you very much, Ben and Tom. We're going to get to running backs here. Uh, It's going to be fascinating to see what kind of market these guys get, if any, with the cap situation. Um, uh, Caveat here, it is 1230 on the East Coast. Uh, I think the deadline is 4 p.m. for franchise tags today. Um, So there is a chance here that one guy on on this market gets franchised. That's Aaron Jones. 
that's the running back of the Green Bay Packers. I think that there is the chance that he gets franchised. Um, but I don't think anybody else is, is in the mix to be franchised here uh, beyond Aaron Jones. So let's just start um, with, with that acknowledgement. But there are some interesting names on the free agent market. And let's start with Aaron Jones, Tom, who is the RB4 on the season with 18.5 fantasy points per game in 2020. Here is the fascinating part about that. The other three backs who finished with more fantasy points per game than Aaron Jones this year are Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, and Alvin Kamara, all three of whom signed long-term contracts last year. So if Aaron Jones is looking for a long-term contract, that is exactly where his agent is looking. I don't think his agent's going to bring up fantasy numbers, but he's going to be able to know that the production is exceptionally similar to those three backs, and he's going to say, these are the numbers. This is where we're looking. You are going to have to pay us to keep Aaron Jones. And that's why I'm wondering if Green Bay might franchise Aaron Jones to kind of kick the can down the road a little bit. Yeah, and, you know, to his advantage, he can be like, I'm one of the most efficient backs in the league. You know, I've been kind of splitting time with Jamal Williams, and I was right up there with these top guys at my position. Uh, average 5.5 yards per carry last year. Uh, he's He's the clear class of this uh, the running back position, uh, you know, this year in free agency. Uh, there's no one really close to him. He's kind of the big domino. We, you know, he he holds the cards for a lot of guys in this class, uh, and he holds a lot of cards for, you know, the two guys, you know, behind him here in Green Bay. Uh, Jamal Williams is also a free agent, and A.J. Dillon, they, they spent a second-round pick on him, uh, you know, and he's certainly going to have a bigger role in 2020. So, you know, if Jones does return to Green Bay, I would expect – Jamal Williams to to leave during free agency, and they'll, uh, you know, maybe he'll lose a little bit of a, his role as a runner, uh, you know, in Green Bay next year. But you know, a little bit more in terms of being a receiving back, uh, you know, that was an area where Jamal Williams played fairly well. And uh, if he does leave Green Bay, uh, there's certainly some spots where he could be a, a three down factor back. You know, really own the backfield. That that's something that he really hasn't been able to do. Too much. Jamal Williams has, you know, I think he's only missed a few games uh, during their same four-year period there together. So, uh, you know, if he lands in a Miami or, you know, with the Jets, uh, uh, you know, some some teams where he could be a 75 to 80% of the snaps kind of guy, uh, you know, he could be a top six draft pick uh, in, in terms of fantasy if he's able to grab a really big uh, role wherever he lands in free agency. So it's going to be interesting to see where it plays out. I, I think he's, I, I like his scenario no matter what happens. Uh, you know, he will lose some of the, the carries probably in Green Bay, uh, but the passing back, you know, the passing work should be there uh, more full time with Jamal Williams potentially gone. So, uh, you know, he's the big, he's the big domino here. It, it's, uh, I think everybody else is going to be kind of waiting around to see what he does. And then, uh, you know, the, the rest of the position will follow. Uh, follow after he makes his deal. Uh, and Chris Carson, I think, is the next best guy on the market, Tom. Um, career high, 4.8 yards per rush with Seattle this past year. Um, his averages of 3.1 receptions and 23.9 receiving yards per game in 2020 were also career highs. So he's becoming more versatile. Uh, and in more positive news, he fumbled just once in <laughs> 2020. After doing so, a combined 11 times the previous two seasons, but he's also had some injuries, dings and dents. He missed four games with a foot injury in 2020. And this was the biggest surprise to me, Tom. Uh, despite Pete Carroll, you know, essentially changing the offense midseason, which is exactly why Russell Wilson's all pissed off. 
Chris Carson had just 11.8 carries per game in 2020 after averaging 17.6 in 2018 and 18.5 in 2019. They leaned on him less than ever. It still makes sense to me that Seattle, which really has the completely unproven and, and I mean, coming off an injury, Rashad Penny, who I guess got healthy at the end of the year. They have like, uh, they have some other young guys. They have Travis Homer. Uh, they, it still makes sense to me that if Pete Carroll wants to run the football, which he said he wants to, and Shane Waldron, their new offensive coordinator, comes from the, the Sean McVay system, outside zone, wide zone, play action. All that suggests they're still going to run the football. Ergo, it makes sense that Chris Carson would be back in Seattle. But the very plugged in Michael Sean Duggar of The Athletics says he doesn't expect Seattle to re-sign Chris Carson. And that makes his potential landing spots very interesting, Tom, because I think this guy's a pretty good back. Yeah, it's. I, I think it all just comes down to his availability. I mean, that's uh, you know what it's really come down to the first four years of his career here. Uh, if he can stay on the field, he's been very productive. And uh, I, I just I don't know if Seattle the, the the uncertainty the last few years of of the will he or won't he be available I, I think is probably wearing on him a little bit. So um, I think Seattle probably at the right price uh, if it is a one or two year deal. Uh, they would bring him back because you're right. Rashad Penny, a lot of promise there, but basically haven't seen him for, you know, you know, well over 12 months now. Uh, you know, just made a few appearances at the end of last year after his uh, devastating ACL injury at the end of, uh, you know, the 2019 season. So uh, theoretically, Rashad Penny could be a very good fantasy back and could be great for their purposes. But, uh, you know, we haven't seen it in practice very much. So, uh, it, it could make some sense for them. Maybe Carson, hey, hey let's do a one-year deal. Uh, I'll kick the can down, you know, kick the can down the road uh, another year here. Maybe there's a better market for running backs next year when there's more money in the market. But, um, you know, it, it's tough to see a team really giving him, uh, you know, more than maybe two years in terms of a contract here. Yeah. So uh, uh, he, he has – one of the more fascinating markets. I, I I don't see him being for everybody, but he's certainly been very effective when you know he's been given the chance to play, and uh, he's been do, he's gotten the chances uh, you know the last few years here in Seattle. So you know we'll see how it all kind of plays out there. Yeah, and maybe if if Aaron Jones goes back to Green Bay, then maybe um, the Dolphins, who Cameron Wolf, who covers the Dolphins for ESPN, has been adamant they are fixing their running back position this offseason. Now they could also do that the draft where there's a lot of good backs this year and that's the problem for some of these free agents right there's a lot of good backs in the draft um maybe the dolphins are a fit the jets could be a fit i think he's a versatile back uh who would fit uh with mike lafleur the new offensive coordinator there and you know robert sala with the jets has lined up across from chris carson two times a year the last number of years so he knows how difficult carson is to defend so that could be a potential fit there as well, Tom, I, one of the most interesting names on the market, uh, and this is fascinating. There is a time in December where we were openly wondering whether Leonard Fournette would even be in the league in 2021. And now I'm wondering if the Bucks are going to sign into a multi-year contract because playoff Lenny was amazing. He was a legitimate factor back in the Buccaneers run to the Super Bowl. Tommy had 300 rushing yards, three touchdowns, and 148 receiving yards and a touchdown 
in the playoffs. He had only 367 rushing yards and 233 receiving yards in the regular season. He almost doubled up his production in the playoffs compared to where he was in the regular season. And he, they used him, Tom, as a factor back. He played 69% or more of the snaps in each of the Buccaneers' four playoff games. He did that just once during the regular season. I don't know what the hell happened, but it seems like he got kicked in the ass when they benched him uh, in week 14 as a healthy scratch. He took that as a challenge, and he responded in a positive way. And, Tom, if the Buccaneers are looking to repeat, Leonard Fournette's 26 years old. Are the Buccaneers now going to re-sign Leonard Fournette? That's that's a great question here. I, and it depends on what his motivations are, too. Was it, you know, was it, uh, you know, his great play towards the end uh, after he got his butt kicked, you know, butt chewed out there and got the healthy scratch towards the end of the season? Was it because he was going to be entering free agency and he wanted to make, uh, you know, the, backs don't have a lot of chances to make a lot of money. And, you know, this was probably his last great chance to get a, a big contract in free agency. So uh, he picked a great time to show up in the playoffs. And, uh, you know, he even showed some chops as a receiver, uh, something that we know he we, we knew he was capable of doing. He, you know, during his uh, 2019, his great season for fantasy uh, down in Jacksonville, he, he caught a ton of passes, uh, you know, it wasn't necessarily uh for a lot of yardage and stuff but uh well it, he's a, a confounding player i i don't know if a team is really going to want to give him a, a long-term contract because of the inconsistency but um he, this guy was a top draft pick uh just a few years ago he was a top 10 draft pick uh so he obviously has a high a high level uh skill set here so uh it's all I mean, I could see Tampa wanting to bring him back, uh, you know, trying to do a one or two year deal. Uh, but, you know, maybe the the Buccaneers, we got we have other free agents here. We have James White, who would be an interesting complement towards, uh, you know, toward uh, Ronald Jones in that backfield here. So, you know, it could play out a, a ton of different ways. I could also see a team like Atlanta that has a, a big need at running back. They need a big power factor back. Uh, you know, in Arthur Arthur Smith's uh, offense here. Maybe they're interested in a guy like Fournette. So uh, I could see it cutting a, a bunch of different ways. But, uh, you know, I, I'll be interested to see if a team is willing to give him more than two years in yeah. terms of a contract. Because you're right. It was just way too up and down. His, you know, and it's been way too up and down his entire career. Uh, I mean, he hasn't been a reliable guy. But whenever he decides to show up, he's been – you know, a, a you know a top ten type of back here. So uh, we'll see how it plays out. But I I'll be kind of surprised if he gets more than two years as a free agent here. And from a strict fantasy perspective, Tom, I can tell you this right now. I, we might have a tough time drafting Leonard Fournette at ADP anyway. But I can tell you one thing: if he signs elsewhere, I am not drafting him. If he signs in Tampa Bay, then it's in consideration. Like, because I, I just think Leonard Fournette, if Tampa Bay wants him back, and we don't know, we don't know Tampa Bay wants him back, but if Tampa wants him back and he signs in Tampa, I think the, the, the system is in place for Leonard Fournette to be successful. The, Byron Leftwich and Bruce Arians know how to push his buttons. Tom Brady obviously trusted him in the playoffs, 18 receptions in just four games. I can't imagine having a spot. Well, there might be a spot like, the Jets, where you look at it and say, okay, there's a lot of opportunity there, 
But we saw how that happened, what, what, what happened with Le'Veon Bell there. If he goes to the highest bidder and it's just a, – and it's a bad team, I, I'm not going to have good vibes. If he resigns with Tampa Bay, and t- that set signals to me Tampa Bay thinks that playoff run was real, and then I might be a little bit more interested. Yeah, he if he does land somewhere, it's got to be to a coach or offensive coordinator that can motivate him. Because you know, once he gets that big contract, is he going to have the motivation to to continue to to work hard? And uh, you know, it, it seemed to wane a little bit last year with you know before the benching there. So uh, you know, he's going to have to land with a team. Yeah, but maybe the Jets is a good team. Robert Sala, maybe he can light a fire under his ass. But right, uh, Je- I, I can't make the Jets a, a punchline anymore just because I think they have a good coaching staff. But I think you've got my general point, though. Yeah, no, no, that's what I'm just saying. Yeah, I, I, I think he would, be, you know, Robert Sala would be a good coach to motivate. I, I think it, it, it's going to depend on you know who is uh, you know coaching him and firing him up. I, you know, I, I don't know if he, Doug Marone could really get through to him and down in Jacksonville. And it seemed like maybe it took a long time down in Tampa, but eventually Tom Brady and uh, you know Bruce Arians got through to him. So uh, you know, if he goes somewhere where you know a, they have a bit of a pushover coach or offensive coordinator, I, I'll definitely not be you know I'll definitely be avoiding him. You know, depending on where his ADP yep. is. Uh, I, Tom, I when I was writing up this free agency preview at the running back position, I had no effing clue what to do with Kenyon Drake. Absolutely no clue. I mean, I looked at his baseline numbers. I was like, 10 rushing, 10 rushing touchdowns for Kenyon Drake in 2020. If you would have told me Kenyon Drake would have 10 rushing touchdowns in 2020 back in August, I probably would have made him a top six pick. What happened to him what as a, a receiver? Season. What happened I mean, to him as a receiver? That, yeah. That's my biggest question. I, I Like... He, he, 25 catches, you know, 31 targets for the entire season. I mean, that was what he was kind of known for coming out of Alabama, uh, and, you know, in his first couple years with Miami there. I mean, uh, that that's the, the the part that's really confounding to me about him. I, I just don't understand what happened to his receiving production. Uh, I just don't get it, Tom. He caught more passes in eight games with the Cardinals after coming over from the trade deadline in 2019 than he did in the entire 2020 season. Now, he was dealing with ankle and hip injuries, but Cliff Kingsbury clearly preferred Chase Edmonds uh, in in those roles. And from a fantasy perspective, Tom, I kind of want to see Arizona move on from Drake because I think Chase Edmonds could be a really good back, but it's hard for me to find a spot for Drake. Now, I would think a team probably would view him better as as almost like a change of pace. Because I went back and, and looked at Greg Cosell's film review of Drake's 2019 season, and he said he is a straight-line runner with burst, but he's a much better fit for teams with gap scheme as the foundation uh, than, than zone, because he thought he had subpar vision. And that suggests to me, Tom, 8 to 10 carries – we are going to run power, and we just want you to run behind your blockers. And it's hard for me to find that spot for Kenyon Drake on the open market, and he sure as hell ain't going to get $8 million a year like the way he played under the transition tag last year. Yeah, and that was a smart move on the Cardinals' part. They clearly right. had some questions. They wanted to you know, see him put it up for another year, and he couldn't. Uh, you know, he couldn't back it up. That eight-game performance, you know, had us all drafting him, uh, you know, as a high second-round pick last year. I mean, we were all kind of banking on, you know, hoping for that kind of production again, and it didn't happen. So uh, I think his day, you know, he could return to being, a, uh, you know, a, a starting lead back, but I, I think his market is going to be more 
in that complimentary role, you know, maybe a, a 1B, uh, you know, kind of as we saw with like Jamal Williams in Green Bay the last few years, you know, th- this guy that if he needs to be the guy for, you know, a, a two or three game stretch is clearly capable of doing it. He's done it in the past, but, you know, the 16 game uh, bell cow, you know, the, the guy that you're relying on for 225 to 250 carries of the season and, uh, you know, 40 to 50 catches that he's, I don't think he he's proven that he can't do that. Uh, you know, even dating back to his days at Alabama, that was never his role, uh, you know, with under Nick Saban there. So uh, I think he's pretty clearly a one B at best right now. Uh, one, one guy talking, who I think is very interesting. And this has been a name you're, you're a Steelers guy. <laughs> and I think a lot of people uh, steal Steeler fans, by the way, are pissed off with that run game. Uh, like they, it's amazing. Like I don't think I've ever seen the Steelers have such an ineffective run game. And look, we're not going to go back to the time of Franco Harris and Jerome Bettis. I get that, but like it's still it, it was obviously missing from that team. And you know, you look at Aaron Jones out there, and 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 people are like, well, the Steelers could sign Aaron Jones. Well, they don't have a ton of cap space, though. Uh, ben Roethlisberger helped them clear some of that up. Maybe they go after Chris Carson, and and, and he's kind of a Steelers type of back, in my opinion. But the guy you have been pounding the table for, maybe maybe you're alone on this uh, on Steelers yeah. Island, because people obviously want the Steelers to sign Aaron Jones or uh, or draft Najee Harris or something like that. You want the Steelers to go after Jamal Williams, who's a free agent, obviously isn't going to command the money that you would think uh, Aaron Jones or Chris Carson is going to command. But I, I got to admit, Tom, I see it. Like, Jamal Williams is a Steeler type of back. Yeah, and this is more about, you know, the Steelers, what they have to spend. I mean, they're very – they're up against it with the cap. I mean, Ben uh, – Big Ben did give them a little bit of relief last week with the renegotiated contract there. But, you know, the, the offensive line clearly had major issues at the end of last year. Uh, that is their top priority, I think, this offseason – uh, that's where if they're able to spend any kind of money, it's going to be on the offensive line. Uh, you know, they're going to spend, I, you know, they've gone, I forget what it is, seven or eight straight drafts, taking a defensive player in the first round. I think that probably comes, that probably comes at an end this year. I think they have to address the offensive line, uh, you know, early in the draft. So, uh, they're going to have to be thrifty at running back. And I, I think, you know, Mike Tomlin is the kind of guy that likes to, to have a back that's capable as a runner and a receiver. So, you know, I think Jamal Williams kind of fits that mold. He's been kind of overshadowed by Aaron Jones. So, uh, you know, maybe he gets the chance to to finally be the go-to guy. And he's been very durable, you know, to start his career. Uh, maybe they can get him for, you know, maybe, the, you know, wherever he signs, maybe he's a, a two-year for 8 to $10 million a year, uh, a thrifty kind of move where, you know, he could excel uh, as, a, as a bell cow type of back that's, you know, playing – you know, 70% of the snaps. So uh, I, I do think there's some upside here with Jamal. You know, he's not a, a special type of player. You know, he's not the burner. He's not this elite type of athlete, but he's he's the kind of guy that excels uh, at every area. He's above average uh, at just about everything. You know, he's the guy that they felt very comfortable with putting out in pass protection, uh, can catch the ball, uh, can grind out yards. So uh, I think wherever he lands, he's, he has a chance to to be a factor in whatever backfield, you know, and we'll see if there's much of a market. Uh, as you said, there, you know, it's a pretty good uh, draft class for the rookie running back. So maybe teams aren't going to be willing to spend too much money at running back. But, uh, you know, if he gets a chance to, to be a starter, I wouldn't be surprised if he's a bit of a fantasy factor for us. 
Uh, and and Tom, there's some other backs out there. Uh, James Connor, who I, I I I just can't see a team giving him a, a, a anything more than a chance to like be in a rotation. James White, you you you've basically already pocketed him to the <laughs> uh, to, uh, to the Buccaneers uh, to play with Tom Brady hey, again. I'm cool with Duke, him or Duke going there. Yeah, Duke, Duke Johnson, Mike Davis is out there. Marlon Mack, um, unfortunately for him, just a terrible time to mm-hmm. suffer like the worst injury a running back can get. Mark Ingram might get some some runs somewhere else and there's a couple of interesting restricted free agents by the way uh philip Lindsay and gus edwards uh gus edwards is going to be back in baltimore i think that's almost a given because they released mark ingram philip Lindsay's out there uh, philip Lindsay, tom it's just multiple coaching staffs have decided this guy just is not more than a rotational back and he can't catch <laughs> like uh, for yeah. a guy philip Lindsay's size his lack of production in the in the passing game is a massive impediment for his future earnings potential i mean it look i Maybe there's untapped potential there, but Tommy caught just seven passes this year. Yeah, I mean he that's been his that's been his one major weakness throughout all this. And, you know, if he's not a big guy, like you said, so you think that the the passing qualities would be there, but uh, no, he's 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 a runner. He's a first and foremost runner, and uh, you know it's not like he has great size for that to be a guy that gets you know 15 carries a game, and yeah. uh, you know he's not that type of back. So he, he's. Uh, you know, multiple coaching staffs, they, they've told you that, you know, he's more of a change of pace guy, you know, come in and try to gas you for a long run or two on his limited touches. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it's, you know, it hasn't worked out for him as, in terms of being a receiver so far in his career. Uh, all right, Tom, that's going to wrap it up for this preview. Uh, what, if, if there are some guys out there who get signed and it, it looks like they're going to have a bigger role than maybe we we uh, envisioned on this podcast, we'll, we'll handle that on our free agency reviews. And we're going to be doing free agency reviews and uh, and a big uh, movement tracker up at FantasyPoints.com. Our guy Graham Barfield is going to handle like the big moves. Uh, it, presuming, uh, by the way, we just found out on this podcast, uh, while recording this podcast, that the Lions are not going to franchise Kenny Galladay. That's why we postponed wide receivers until later this Yeah, week. Hunter Henry, uh, uh, you know, Schefter's reporting the Chargers aren't going to fran- franchise him either. So, uh, you know, a couple guys that, uh, you know, probably going to be first, uh, you know, Galladay will be a, a top four, you know, the first four rounds. And uh, yeah. Hunter Henry's like probably a seventh, eighth, ninth round type of type of pick. So those guys are going to be hitting the free market. It should be interesting. Uh, and so we're going to, we're going to evaluate all that stuff as it comes down. And then Tom, we're, we're in full blown draft mode. Uh, make sure you go to fantasypoints.com. S- subscribe to, to our draft guide. That's going to feature over 100 draft breakdowns from Greg Cosell. Tom, I got an email from Greg the other day that he is, he has done far more to this point than he ever has before. Ooh. And he unprompted and said, I think the guide is going to be really good. Uh, I agree because I've been reading his profiles as they've come in and I've been kind of formatting them for the, for the quote-unquote magazine. It's going to be available as a PDF and it's going to be available as an app in the App Store as well. So uh, it, we're going to have a mock draft in there, some Devi rankings from Wes Huber. It's going to be a lot of fun uh, as we get into draft time as well, Tom. So so we're just, we're just uh, moving down the line. Uh, that's what we're doing at FantasyPoints.com. Our early bird special. 20% off uh, your package, your order, expires May 1st. So we have less than two months left to subscribe to at 20% off. Hey, if you want to subscribe after May 1st, by all means, give us more money. Uh, but if you want to subscribe and, and save some money, now is the time to do so. Tom, it's been wonderful uh, talking to you today, my friend. Follow him on Twitter at Tom Brawley. Follow me on Twitter at FG underscore Dolan. 
For Ben Kukanis, for Tom Brawley, my name is Joe Dolan. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. We will be back Thursday to talk wide receivers and tight ends. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com. Oh,